0: Welcome once again to Demonosophy and Beyond, the podcast for those seeking to wake up and explore what's beyond the facade we call reality. As always, I'm your host, Greg Bryant, teacher of things taboo, with morals grayer than a monochrome TV. Tonight, we'll be discussing invocation and other degrees of possession. If you're down to ride, buckle your seatbelts and hold on tightly because Jesus is not taking this wheel. Last episode, I explained a little about invocation and how it's drawing a specific energy into you. What very few people realize is this is a form of possession, just with the practitioner's permission. That's why it is extremely important to be familiar with an entity you give permission to enter into the temple that is your body. When you hear the word possession, what do you most likely think of? For many, it could be The Exorcist, the classic movie where you find a girl peeing on the floor, levitating, puking pea soup, and spinning her head around. Possession pertaining to the supernatural is often portrayed as a bad thing, and it can be. But like everything else pertaining to the spirits, the subject goes deep and has more layers than an onion. Before going further, I would like to say that not everyone who behaves erratically is possessed. There are drugs that can make a person bug out if they abuse them and mental illnesses must be taken into consideration. After working in a psych hospital for some years, I can tell you that there is a big difference and all options must be explored before assuming someone is possessed. I've also suffered from negative forms of possession, which I'll discuss a little bit later. With that said, in order to understand possession fully, you have to be aware of the intricacies of it. It isn't exclusive to demons, a target can be possessed by angels, deities, loa, ghosts, Djinn, and even living humans. Yes, there are people out there powerful enough to project themselves into a target with the intention of control. The general consensus is that there are four degrees of possession. These don't always occur in order, nor do the first three have to happen before possession. The steps would be infestation, oppression, obsession, and possession infestation is basically a haunting this doesn't directly affect a person nor is it a guarantee that things will escalate oppression is when a person is affected directly by an entity it may include nightmares illness a change in mental status like depression out of nowhere then you have obsession This is when a person is literally obsessed with what's going on with them pertaining to the negative. This may also manifest in the form of the victim having an unhealthy attachment to an object that may be haunted. Many movies have have instances where a child may find a creepy doll and freak out if the parent tries to take it away. The last step is possession. Like I said before, an entity may be able to skip the last three steps if the conditions are right. If you dabble in the occult and have no clue what you're doing, if you are sensitive to the spirit realm like a medium, or if you are like me, constantly coming in contact with spirits, then you are more at risk of being possessed straight away. If you are weak-willed, it will be easier to get possessed and you may stay possessed longer than someone with a stronger will. Some signs of possession include changes in speech patterns, mood swings, personality changes, loss of coordination, or strange movements. These changes won't always be negative, but it's the negative changes that we always hear about. Another aspect that determines the intensity of possession is the power level of a spirit. A ghost will probably be easier to exercise than a deity, a demon, or an angel. A spirit of low rank may be easier to exercise than a spirit with a higher rank. To illustrate this, I'll tell you about the three times I was unwillingly possessed. The first occasion was by a very weak spirit of unknown origin. It, I felt it jump inside me and dismissed it by simply stating it wasn't welcome and that it should leave. My second possession was slightly more difficult to recover from. Once again, a random spirit of unknown origin decided to attempt to make my body home. This particular spirit was strong enough to throw off my coordination so I had trouble walking. My attempts to banish it weren't working well. Well, they weren't working at all. And at the moment I realized, at that moment, I realized I was out of my depth and I was offered assistance from a witch I was acquainted with. It took two attempts, utilizing her rune magic and my blood magic to expel the spirit. The third time I was possessed involved a djinn. My skin began to heat up and I became uncontrollably angry. Any normal attempt to calm down only made things worse. And the only way I was able to escape was to ask a jinn king to dismiss the jinn that was giving me problems. All three of these experiences I had illustrate how a difference in the power of an entity can determine how you approach an exorcism and how difficult it may be. The first The first I was able to do with little effort, the second required the help of another person in multiple attempts, and the last required the aid of an entity with a higher rank than the one causing the possession. Even though there's a lot of negativity attributed to the subject of possession, uh, it can be a desirable experience. The Haitian Voodoo Handbook by Kenaz Filan, F-I-L-A-N, discusses how possession is a part of the Voodoo tradition, and this Voodoo is spelled V-O-D-O-U. They refer to it as being mounted, and goes on to say on page 63 that a horse, which is a possessed person, may make demands. Propose marriage, offer blessings, and advice, or chastise those who've neglected their duties to the spirit. End quote. Here in the States, many have employed mediums to talk to dead loved ones or contact other spirits. An article called Retold Tales towards an understanding of spirit possession in central Nepal addresses the topic of possession in that area it states that a jakri j-h-a-k-r-i or shaman go into possession trances in order to heal others the article states that these individuals quote are not seen as the instrument of either tutelary or malevolent spirits, but instead are considered privileged intermediaries. End quote Over the course of my experience, I've come up with terms for different types of possession. Usually, we talk about the type that leaves a target with no memory of the experience. But I've had the fortune of staying conscious during these occasions. A two-headed possession is a term that I've come across in a book on voodoo, and uh, it's when you stay conscious while sharing your body with an entity. And in my case, I had I have the majority of control during this type of possession, but there are certain urges that you get when, um, that you kind of can't ignore. I've had a two-headed, um, possession with Thoth many times, and often I'd find myself fascinated with the makeup of the human body, and I'd stare at, or just constantly be touching, like, people I knew. Like, my friends would come around, and... I would just comment on the texture of their skin, or or something crazy like that. Uh, One time I spent a whole ten minutes stroking a tree because of the way it felt. And this is due to the fact that a lot of spirits aren't used to experiencing life as humans do. Uh, A fractured possession is when you slip in and out of consciousness with varying degrees of control. This may happen if a person and spirit are vying over control of a body. This happened to me with Horus. Uh, My guard was down one night, and I had recently utilized the Eye of Horus for protection. So I guess he assumed it was okay to jump into my body. Um, Although it wasn't for malicious purposes, the possession was unwanted... So we began to clash, which led to what I call a fractured possession. So it was kind of like I was uh, in and out of consciousness, kind of fighting to be myself. And uh, there was definitely like loss of memory. Uh, one of my friends came over during this possession and uh, <laughs> said that I had... This deep conversation with him, uh, and it was different from the previous conversations we have had. And, uh, then he left. He said, uh, I kind of closed my eyes while talking to him, and, uh, he eventually left. <laughs> um, Also during this possession, apparently I went out, drove a car, uh, went to Walmart, picked up some snacks, and then ate the snacks. And um, some of the snacks were carrot-based. I bought baby carrots, bought carrot cake, and then I bought, uh, what was it, uh, tropical nut mix. um, yeah that was interesting that was an interesting night from what I hear Um, you also have what I call a reverse possession this is when you use your astral form to hijack a spirit to learn its intentions it takes a lot of energy and I ended up doing it by accident I wasn't able to control the spirit uh, that would probably take a lot more energy depending upon the nature of the spirit. Um, however, because I knew what the spirit wanted I was able to take steps to get rid of it. Um, it was a malicious spirit. It was looking to go after somebody in my house. And so I was just like, nah. Nah. So, I kind of like saged the area and uh, just made sure that I couldn't come back. Uh, Did some other things. See, at the moment, that is the extent of my knowledge on the subject of possession. Um. I hope by sharing my experiences, you will be able to dodge some of the landmines that come with practicing magic and go on to progress and discover new things. If you're listening to my podcast via Anchor, feel free to leave me a message. If you really love me, you can hit the support button and leave a donation. This helps me to further my research so I can continue to inform you about various magical topics. So, until the next episode, I encourage everyone to continue to gain knowledge and practice to reach your highest potential.